Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. Asia Pacific markets are trading lower this morning on the back of overnight losses on Wall Street. Sydney is down more than 2%. Seoul is off nearly 1.5%. Tokyo is in the red as well. Joining me now as we break down all the market action for you in mere minutes. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Let's start this morning with our neighbor and financial rival to the north. Not Malaysia, we're going to head a little further. I am talking about Hong Kong, which is facing its worst COVID challenge since the pandemic began over two years ago. Hospitals are full, due in part to a COVID zero policy. Basically, people who would be allowed to stay at home in Singapore would face hospitalization in Hong Kong. The city is introducing compulsory testing for everyone. Borders are closed and it's airport mostly empty. Hong Kong has also just announced nearly 22 billion US dollars worth of new spending to fight the pandemic and support the economy. We're going to take a look in a moment at which sectors and which stocks appear poised to benefit from the spending package. But first, Ryan, can you give us an overview of the new spending measures? Yeah, so it's pretty much like what you painted. It's trying to fight a lot of things on many fronts, COVID-19, a slowing economy. And among the measures that come across is uh, things and support measures to help businesses. So here you have, for example, a 100% reduction in profits tax for businesses and salaries tax for individuals kept at $1,280. Also, something that will lend some cheer to maybe stock markets and shopping malls today. Consumption vouchers worth 10,000 Hong Kong dollars. That is around 1,280 uh, US dollars. And also a subsidy of 10,000 Hong Kong dollars again for the temporarily unemployed rental waiver for businesses that have been closed because of COVID rules. So it's a bit of a budget to help support businesses hard hit by COVID-19. And also um, some taxes as well to actually echo what Singapore has been doing in the past week. Um, tax the rich a bit more to help with the coffers. So that's pretty much the budget in a summary. So mainly carrots in this bag from Hong Kong. Despite handing out spending vouchers to residents, though, Hong Kong's economic growth is expected to slow this year to somewhere between 2 and 3.5%. That is a lot lower than this past year, in which Hong Kong enjoyed 6.4% growth. What are the top sectors in Hong Kong that are likely to benefit from this new carrot-filled stimulus package? So you have the spending vouchers. I think a lot of people will be focused on that. And that could lend to some uh, trickle-down impact or spending um, being seen in retailers like watch retailers, Sasa International Holdings, Chow Thai Food Jewellery Group, uh, also Emperor Watch and Jewellery. So these are the type of companies that could see some of the spending flowing into um, the stores. Um, also worth watching out for Hong Kong's stock exchange. You've got some announcements that the city is considering easing some listing requirements for large advanced technology firms that are currently not eligible due to um, profitability reasons. Uh, fund houses, brokerages also will likely be in focus and that is with Hong Kong aiming to launch the ETF Connect program with China soon. So the likes of Bright Smart Securities and Haitong International Securities uh, could be uh, interesting to watch um, if they benefit from commission fees. Banks will also be in focus. Chinese authorities are looking to enhance measures for the wealth management connect in the Greater Bay Area. So that will include raising 
the investment quarter, so a boon to banks um, tapping the Chinese market. Real estate developers and agents could also see some good news. First-time home buyers will be allowed to get mortgage insurance when they purchase estates valued up to 10 million Hong Kong dollars with a 10% down payment. So that is with the um, cap being raised from the previous ceiling of $8 million. So a bit of a boost on those fronts. All right. So while retailers and fund managers look set to benefit, analysts say that landlords and airlines will not. Hong Kong is set to raise taxes for higher-end properties. And over at Hong Kong's international airports, outbound flights have slowed to a trickle just as the number of residents wanting to flee the city's harsh anti-COVID restrictions has surged. Another company that is not doing well is the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. It is poised to report its worst quarterly earnings in two years. Are we seeing the effects of China's lockdown? Yeah, it does look like a couple of reasons. Um, The lockdown could be one, but I think the um, focus is more on the recent crackdown we've seen on offshore listings. And that has really hit sentiment about around what might be... um, in the pipeline for the Hong Kong exchange and clearing company. So net income for that quarter, the most recent quarter was down 10% through December. And that is around 345 million US dollars. And this is following two straight quarters of profit decline. So if you look at the crackdown, still no signs of that letting up. So it is really painting a rather tough outlook for the Hong Kong exchange. One question that always pops up when we talk about Hong Kong, particularly its challenges in the couple of years in the past, is whether or not Singapore might displace it as a financial centre. And indeed, there are anecdotal evidence of examples, really, of banks shifting some staff here. However, a recent Bloomberg opinion piece argues that it is pretty unlikely that Singapore will take Hong Kong's place in terms of prominence. Why is that? Well, it's a tough one because it's quite um, difficult to gauge. Um, There's just so many moving parts. But going by the opinion piece, it does argue that both hubs will be better off being complementary because they are different. They have their own uh, unique selling propositions. For example, Hong Kong is typically seen as a platform to tap the greater China market. And that is being seen with the type of companies being listed, mostly uh, many of them Chinese companies. And if you look at Singapore, it's seen as a platform to tap the regional market, the Southeast Asian market. So if you want to go into some of the companies exposed to Malaysia or Indonesia, this could be the place to um, start looking. And also as a REITs hub, that is um, something Singapore has done well to position itself as. So you have that type of um, different um, advantage when you look at the two um, places. And if you look at the stock market for Singapore, it is relatively still far away from the level of activity that Hong Kong has. So it is unlikely to be able to replace it on that front, um, on the stock markets at least. So if you look at all these various factors, it is very tough to say, you know, Singapore can replace Hong Kong or vice versa because they are just so different. Okay, so I was looking at average daily turnover in Singapore, drastically, uh, you know, less in terms of average daily turnover when compared to Hong Kong in terms of securities, uh, IPOs as well. So what do you think? Do you agree with Bloomberg that Hong Kong and Singapore work better as complements rather than competitors? Or do we stand a real chance at this moment in history of gaining more ground against our financial rival? 
There is some middle ground, and you pointed out how some of the banks have been moving some of their staff, their assets to Singapore. Um, it is uh, maybe something to watch if it will be long-term because uh, overall banks still will be interested in tapping the greater China market. So to some extent, we could see some movement, but I think um, I agree with the um, opinion post. It won't be able to displace Hong Kong and vice versa because of the various um, differences for from geographical advantages to just the quirks of the local market that each can't replicate. All right, let's shift the conversation now to global markets and tensions over Russia and Ukraine. The Dow Jones Industrial Average tumbled more than 400 points overnight. It has nearly entered correction territory. That is a drop of 10% or more from its peak. The Nasdaq and the S&P 500 already in the midst of corrections. The Nasdaq fell another 2.5% overnight. The US Pentagon says Russian troops are poised to attack. Russia's parliament, meanwhile, has granted Putin authority to back Ukraine's separatist forces. So what is the end game here? What does Putin really want? Yeah, only Putin will be able to tell you. But um, I guess... Let's get him on the line. The speculation is rife. Um, There is, I think, a main theory here that he is not happy with how Ukraine has been behaving in the past few years, trying to cozy up to the West and talking about joining the likes of the European Union and NATO. So, of course, Russia next to it is a bit unhappy to see... I guess um, that old part of the Soviet Union just moving further away from the historical um, bond that they used to have. So something I think they are trying to control and you've seen that happening with some of the um, demands that Russia has put forth to make Ukraine and NATO promise that Ukraine will never join NATO. So that's one front I think that could be playing out how they are trying to curb the Western influence, um, just making it sure it doesn't come so close to them um, and making it as far away as possible. So I think that is the main issue here. And when you look at the um, demands or the end game that Putin is trying to um, do. And if you look at where things are right now, you've got Russia putting troops in two separatist areas and possibly expanding their military presence from those two areas to the rest of Ukraine. So it does really look quite uh, risky right now on that front of a potential invasion. Now, we've talked about how this conflict is pushing up oil prices and leading investors to switch to safe haven assets like gold. It seems that agricultural commodities are also spiking amid concerns about the Ukraine. What is the latest here? Okay, so no surprises. Um, Prices are going up based on those jitters. And commodity prices really in focus here now because of the first energy crisis. And that is seeing oil prices move up higher. And the other one that I think a lot of investors are now watching is commodity prices. So wheat and soybeans in focus. For example, soybeans are hitting nine-year highs when it comes to prices. They were up as much as 2.5% to $16.65 a bushel. That is the highest since 2012 when droughts hit the U.S. um, area and really hit production. So now you have things taking a turn for worse, and that's because you have some of the major oil seeds coming through from Ukraine. So there is that potential disruption being priced in right now that you might see supplies being disrupted and tightened if we see conflict um, and tensions rising. Wheat futures climbed as much as 4.2% to 8 
$1.88.75. So that is the highest since late 2012. And that is also partly because of um, droughts. And that is playing out in South America. So Brazil, one of the top growers for soybeans, um, that is seeing production harvest just um, seeing a bit of a hit. And of course, Russia, a big exporter for wheat, is possibly um, uh, an area of concern right now if things uh, get disrupted and of course, sanctions get slapped on Russia. So buyers hopping on the commodities bandwagon, according to Bloomberg. We talked yesterday about how the spectre of conflict between Russia and the West over the Ukraine could complicate the Fed's interest rate decisions. Western sanctions on Moscow could exacerbate inflation or they could lead to slower economic growth. Now, either way, it seems that the biggest overhang on the market right now are inflation and the Ukraine. CNBC's Jim Cramer says if either of these issues is resolved, the markets could be set, quote, for an epic snapback. What do you think of Kramer's argument? It is possible. Well, anything is possible. And of course, he doesn't give a timeline. So it could happen anytime down the road. Uh, so here you have the theory that all or a lot of the bad news has been priced in. So if you just see any inkling or any potential hope or you know, light at the end of the tunnel that things could be better, that could be a signal for some uh, short-term investors to jump back in or even long-term investors to think, hey, maybe these um, assets are now priced quite attractively and things can only go up. So in a way, he's thinking you can't control what's happening with inflation, you can't control what's happening with Ukraine. So if there's a break in the situation that things could turn around, then maybe that could just pave the way for a lot of bargain hunters to come on board. Snapback rally. We'll keep our eye out for that. Let's bring the conversation home now. There's a host of corporate news and earnings announcements to deal with. First up, the Maple Tree Commercial Trust merger. Earlier this week, we talked about how CS, that's the Securities Investors Association of Singapore, was questioning the value of MCT merging with Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust. CS noted that many investors like MCT due to its Singapore-only focus, something that would be lost if the merger proceeds. Well, Maple Tree has responded, Ryan. What does uh, MCT have to say? Yeah, like you pointed out, I've been hearing from investors who have been invested with Maple Tree Commercial Trust that they would have preferred to stay status quo, that you know, they bought MCT because of its stability, its Singapore-focused portfolio, but with the potential scenario of them merging with MN. ACT, and that will open up exposure to greater China markets like Hong Kong, which some of them may not be happy because that was not not what they signed up for in the first place. So the argument or response here coming through from the management is that Singapore as a portfolio has limited upside for growth. There has been some concerns from MCT unit holders over the years about the REIT's lack of growth. So that is one of the reasons why they are looking at expanding the opportunities by just merging both sides. So this will give them skill and reach in North Asia, bringing about long-term sustainable growth for MCT. And also growth and expansion in Pan-Asia will be much easier, according to them, as opposed to buying individual assets and trying to build a team, operational team from scratch. And also worth noting, um, some of the information that has been um, revealed by the latest response is MNACT says it will not seek or solicit competing bids for this uh, arrangement. Uh, in fact, it is the only one on the table right now. It's mm. part of an 
exclusive arrangements, and this will be now allow them to bring to vote for MNACT unit holders. And it also clarifies um, this is the only offer that's been received for the entire portfolio to date. And they will consider any third-party offer for the REITs or assets which it receives. So doors still open, but for now, this is only one on the table. For corporate earnings and other news, let's turn to a game of Up or Down. This is Your Money. I'm Michelle Martin and he's Ryan Huang. All right, let's turn to Prop Next. All right, Prop Next is an up for me and I've got their fourth quarter profit soaring 90.5%. So higher commissions for all those agents. And I think you'll see them soon in the newspapers, all those... High achievers being splashed with <laughs> yeah. their photos. Wonderful. I think Propnex CEO Ismail Gafour should be smiling this morning. Propnex is fourth quarter profits up 90%. The company netting 14 million thanks to those high commissions. All right, this next one's a little tough. Sats. All right, Sats, I think I would go mostly with up. So they've swung back into the black for the third quarter. That's based on their latest business update. So earnings of $5.1 million reversing the loss of $3.1 million the year before. So just benefiting from the gradual recovery in business activities, the border restrictions opening a bit more. Um, it, there is one point that sticks out for me is mm. how they have um, put aside provisions for potential losses for the exposure to Genting Cruise Lines, which of course is under Genting Hong Kong, which filed for liquidation. So that is to the tune of... $10.4 million. So something that could be um, worth watching to see, or rather $10.7 something that could be worth um, tracking. They did say they are trying to recover as much as it can from the customer, but they have set aside those allowances. Sats back in the black, but only thanks to government support, really. It made $5 million in the last fiscal quarter. So I'm going to go with an up for Sats. Let's look at Sheng Xiong. Okay, Sheng Xiong is... And up for me, based on the second half of the year, which they just reported their earnings for, so up 4.8% to $66.9 million. And this was due to the opening of three new stores in Singapore. Sheng Xiong's profits up about 5%. The supermarket chain's business is really getting a boost from these new store openings. So up for me, Singtel. Singtel is going to be an up for me. So in the headlines, is Singtel redeveloping their Com center headquarters for more than $2 billion. So quite a familiar site if you've gone past Orchard Road, the Somerset area. In fact, I've been there so many times for their earnings um, meetings. And this is um, interesting to watch how they might redevelop or even reimagine what it will look like in the future. They've promised it will be a smart building and it will be a next generation office development. So a lot of big buzzwords. So I'm quite curious to see how this will play out. Yeah, it's a real icon, that building. Singtel going to spend $2 billion to redevelop that iconic headquarter. It's a lot of money and I'd say it's a bullish sign of Singtel's belief in its future, really. Let's look at SD Engineering. This is going to be an up for me as the engineering and strides international business uh, have announced they have entered into a memorandum of understanding to pursue international opportunities in rail, road and electric vehicles. 
Up ST Engineering and SMRT teaming up to work on land transport projects overseas. So this could potentially be good news for both companies' businesses. Let's look at big car premiums. Zooming up, huh? Well, it's up, but I guess <laughs> it's going to be down for people paying up for it. So you've got big car COE premiums. No, just going towards $100,000 And this is, of course, in the wake of the higher luxury car tax. So zooming in on the category B COE. And that is for cars with more than 1,600cc or 130 horsepower. Um, It's now soared to $93,590. That is an increase of nearly 8.7% from the last auction. Wow, that's a huge jump. One international company now. Let's look at eBay. All right, eBay is, I would say, a down. Even though it beat earnings expectations in its fourth quarter results, its outlook is a bit disappointing. So that is weighing on the share price right now. Yeah, eBay shares down nearly 8% in after-hours trade on the back of disappointing earnings guidance. I have one last story before we check in on the markets. Ryan, do you often talk to Siri or, you know, shout out, hey Google at home? Yeah, I do that all the time when I've got my hands full and I want to find out about the weather or what time it is. Yeah, me too. Just just shout it out. Very useful when you're boiling eggs and you need a timer or something like that. So what do you think of having yet another AI voice assistant? Mark Zuckerberg and Meta are building one. It's all part of their metaverse push. What do you think about it? Yeah, it really is something to get excited about if you have been following the metaverse developments. Mm. Something that could make it even easier or even lazier to build the metaverse because <laughs> now you can just use your voice to create the metaverse. Well, so of course we want to navigate the metaverse <laughs> hands-free, right? Well, that is a very <laughs> good point. So here you have the latest um, product being put forth by Mark Zuckerberg during his live-streamed company event. It's called Inside the Lab Overnight. And this is where he sketched out a few uh, key steps that the company is doing. So here, right in focus, is the AI concept called Builder Bot. So he gave a bit of a demo. He appeared on screen as a 3D avatar. He didn't have legs, but I guess you don't need that in the metaverse. So he just created the metaverse by giving speech commands. And this allowed him to create a beach, at trees, at clouds, a picnic basket. So you can imagine, you, know, you can just narrate your way through to making things. It's a bit like how we had to use a notepad and type out commands to make websites. But now it's so much easier. You just have to um, drag around some building blocks. And I think even kids can do it these days and build websites. Back in the day, it was really something technical. You needed to know the code. But now it is just making the interface for creating things in the metaverse so much more accessible. Well, sometimes you want to tear your hair out when you're talking to Siri and you get, sorry, I don't understand that. Yeah, I think you really have to watch what you say because sometimes Uh. you might create things you didn't mean to. (laughs) Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 29 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index finished marginally lower yesterday. 33.93 was where it ended. How's the SDI trading this morning? Yeah, it's been... A rather red opening across Asia so far off the jitters and the sell-off overnight on Wall Street. And looking at where we are for STI, it's pretty much in line with what's going on right now. Uh, Markets in the red so far on Thursday morning, down 1.3%, 3,348. So that is pretty much the lowest in nearly two weeks for STI. And taking a closer look at the 30 constituents, 
only two counters in the green right now. Yang Zhejiang is up 0.7 and you've got Semcorp Industries up 0.4%. And a quick look at the bottom of the index, OCBC Bank, again, extending losses, is at the bottom of the table. It was down nearly 5% yesterday, and now it's down 2.5% at 12.25 off the back of that disappointing earnings for um, the latest quarter, down 14% in net profit. So investors still selling and UOB not too far behind is down by 2.1% at 31.69. And taking a quick look at where we are for the rest of the um, STI, you've got SATs also down 2.4% and is now $4.08. And that is um, despite reporting its earnings swing back into the black for its third quarter with $5.1 million in net profit. So something I think is just seeing broad declines across the market with the news around the Ukraine-Russia tensions and higher commodity prices and higher costs all just weighing on sentiment right now. Thanks very much. Coming up, how can you get started investing in what could turn out to be a $1 trillion per year market? I am talking about green hydrogen. Which companies are set to benefit as we transition to a net zero uh, economy? global economy. That's coming up in my Market View Minute. Stay with me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.